So in this Fabrengen, we did a good part of it, but we skipped something last week. I wanted to uh, focus more on the Purim parts. This, this part of the Fabrengen also discussed Torah portion this week, but uh, now it's Torah portion of this week. Let's go for it. Um, we are on page... Um, On page Lamentes, sorry, page Lamentes, Ois Lamentes. So, in the beginning of the Febrang, which we also skipped, um, Debus discussed the um, the obligation of discussing a yantif uh, in advance of the yantif. You're supposed to learn the yant, the laws of the yantif before each yantif. So the Gemara and Megillah. Gemara brings down the words in the Mishnah. It says, Meisha told the Jewish people the Yavim Tevim. So the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, Mitzvah The Mitzvah is that you should read each Yantif at its time. So you read you read the laws of you read the, the Torah's description of of um, uh, each Yantif on that Yantif. Uh, and the Mishnah concludes on Monday and Thursday, and on Shabbos at Mincha, uh, you repeat um, what you've read on Monday and Thursday, and um, yeah. So, and you and you read you read uh, the um, the uh, parsha of the week. Um, okay. So now we're going to continue on that on that subject. Now it's not matas. B'amshul dumbe lehil menegeya there be mishum sim sach megillah. Continuation to what we discussed earlier about the words in the Mishnah and the sach megillah. Shenem reidav mishum neisham neisrael. The tosin shukayir nechulu. The mitzvah is to read the holidays at their season at their time. The word mayed means set time. So although we usually use the word mayed to describe it for a holiday, but mayed means a set time. So the Mishnah also mentions uh, the obligation to read the Torah on Monday, Thursday, and, and Shabbos at Mincha time. The Torah portion, which says that Mesha told the Jewish people the holidays, it begins with the, in addition to all the holidays, it also begins with the uh, holiday of Shabbos. So, in addition to the, the Torah reading of Monday, Thursday, and Shabbos and Mincha, there's also, how much more so, is there the Torah reading of Shabbos. Regarding Shabbos, the Talmud says, whoever works on Friday could eat on Shabbos. You can only have food to eat on Shabbos if you prepare before Shabbos. So too is this true regarding the reading of the Torah. Whoever learns the Torah of the week 
before Shabbos, the six Torah portions that we're supposed to learn from Sunday to Friday, according to the uh, the custom that was established by our uh, Rabbeim, the, the Kan of Chitas, during each day a portion of Chumash with Rashi of that day, Sunday the first portion, Monday the second portion, no in the Mesh Tikkun Lamisov, that was on Gela, is Pashus the Mesha, Shukhodar, Saknaram Shakunsa Ilm Kabos Gedel Shachi the Raisa. Just like it says in the Torah that Mesha Rabbeinu made certain rules for all the Jewish people, so too does it apply to the rules of the extension of Mesha of each generation, as the Ramam says that once a rule is established and it's, and it's uh, uh, spread among all the Jewish people, it has a similar it has a, it's classified as a biblical obligation. Once something is established and accepted by the Jewish people, it has the same status as a biblical obligation. So, so someone who has learned the Chumash throughout the week, when they come to Shabbos, they experience on Shabbos a different kind of Shabbos. Just like if you don't cook before Shabbos, you don't have food for Shabbos, so too, if you don't learn the Torah portion the week before Shabbos, you don't get the full energy of the Shabbos. Therefore, just like this year, Purim is on Thursday and Friday. So too was it in the year 1965. So let's pay attention to the Chumash that's, that we are learning on days of Purim, the Chumash of Thursday and Friday of Parshasa. In these sections of the Torah, the Torah talks about the sacrifices that Aaron and his children offered that Moshe Rabbeinu brought before Hashem in the seven days of inauguration. In the seven days of inauguration, Arnon and his children were, uh, what's the word, induced? In, 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 inducted? Inducted. Uh, into the priesthood. So, so Moshe Rabbeinu brought their sacrifices, and the Torah describes how they were the, the, the garments of the Kayin, and Moshe anointed them with the, with the special anointing oil. The Sima Shri and the conclusion of the Torah portion on Friday is Vaikh Mesha Sachaza, Rabbeinu took the breast of the sacrifice and he waved it, and it was and it was it was a portion for Mesha Rabbeinu. Mesha Rabbeinu was able to eat that portion. Mesha Rabbeinu waved it and then he consumed it. Regarding, however, the consumption of the sacrifices by Aaron and his children, the Torah only mentions this on the chitas, on the portion of Chumash that studied on Shabbos. Kleimar. Aaron's and his children's consumption of the Karbanis was achieved by their working before on Friday. On Thursday and Friday, they brought the sacrifices and uh, they assisted Maishar Rabbeinu. They assisted Maishar Rabbeinu by allowing him to dress them 
in the garments of a Kayin. The Rebbe brings in a, uh, a, uh, a, a analogy for their allowing Meishter Rabbeinu to assist them, to, to dress them, um, is considered assistance. The analogy the Rebbe gives is a little bit more complicated to, than, the, than, the, than, the, than the idea, I think, if you're not familiar with it. Allah talks about a makif and a nikif. A makif and a nikif means that if, let's say, you have a property and someone else um, uh, has an adjacent property and they want to build a wall for their property, which is also a wall for your property too. So are you obligated to participate in the cost of the property, of the, of the wall? So it depends. If you, if they, if let's say the guy... Um, even if you haven't given any indication that you're happy with the um, with the wall, but if they built three, the wall on, on three sides and you built the fourth side, that indicates that you're you're very happy with what happened. Therefore, you're obligated to pay for the um, for the wall. So, um, so the nikaf means the one who was surrounded by the wall. He's also obligated uh, to pay for the for the makif, for the wall around his property, because certainly he assisted the one who surrounded his property, and therefore he is obligated. So sim- similar way, those who wore the clothing are considered assisting the one who dressed them in the clothing. Moshe Rabbeinu dressed them in the clothing of the Canaan, and they wore the clothing, so they're also considered to as, as participating in the, in the preparation for the service in the base of Megdash, they participated by by allowing Moshe to dress them. However, all of their efforts were just efforts. They didn't actually eat anything yet. And also the sacrifices themselves, they offered the sacrifices. A sacrifice is something which is offered from this world and given on high, from below to above. But the divine revelation that comes down through the sacrifice, so although they are um, participating in the service, but they're only participating in the service and the benefit, so to speak, of the service, which is the eating of the sacrifice, or in the divine flow, which comes as a result of the sacrifice, the divine flow which is expressed by the words of our sages, it is a pleasure for me, God says, that I have said to do something and you've done it, uh, which is expressed in the, in the owners eating the, the meat of the sacrifice, that indicates that they have now, like, the divine flow has now reached them and they're eating the, the, the sacrifice. So although they've offered and they've worked, when do they actually eat? They only eat on the seventh day on Shabbos. But why did Moshe Rabbeinu eat the sacrifice already on Friday? Why did he have it on Friday and they only had it on, on Shabbos? Abirba's explanation is There are two roles over here. There is an escort for the king and there is an escort to the queen. Moshe Rabbeinu was called the escort of the king. He is the one who brings, so to speak, Hashem to us. Arnein is called the escort of the queen. He's the one who brings us to Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu was the one 
who was appointed by Hashem to cause that Aaron and his children should wear the garments and offer the sacrifices. Until they're able to eat the sacrifices on the seventh day. And so therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu, who uh, close to the time when Arna's children will eat the sacrifices, Moshe Rabbeinu already is eating the sacrifice because he's the one who accomplished accomplish the whole thing. So this is an example how you see how, all, how the spiritual meaning of the sacrifices and the sp- simple meaning, how it all comes together. The... Uh, the, 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 the time Moshe Beno eats, the time the iron eats the sacrifice, how this fits in very well with the role of Moshe Rabbeinu and the role of Aaron, and, the, um, and, and, and so the simple story and the deeper story are connected. So that's, that's the, the first point of, of the, how we see this in the Chumash of the day. Now we're going to continue and we'll see what this has to do with us and what this has to do with the Megillah. L'chaim, l'chaim. So, in short, we said so far is that in order to eat on Shabbos, you have to work before Shabbos. So, just like this is true for eating, if to work before Shabbos to be able to eat on Shabbos, so too is this true regarding spiritually. You have to learn before Shabbos to experience Shabbos. And in a similar way, we see that the chumash of the of the day of Shabbos is about the receiving, the eating uh, through the preparation before Shabbos. And Moshe Rabbeinu already ate already on Friday because his role was not the um, his role was to to bring the, the, the be the escort of the king to his role was to dress Aaron and his children in the garments to um, and and before they consume the sacrifices he already is able to uh, to to first eat the sacrifice himself. Um, now let's go to the Megillah Eisman Malaf. Even things that happen in the world are not an accident. Everything's by divine providence. How much more so must we say that events that happen to Jewish people, events described in the Torah, are surely by divine providence. So what's the relevance of all this um, to the Megillah. I'm going to just paraphrase in Hebrew. It says in the Megillah that the main, the main novelty of the story, in one word, is v'napachu. The things are transformed. So regarding Achashverosh, it says that when he made the party, he wore the garments of the Kayanim. He wore the the Kayan Godel's, uh uh, uh, garments at the feast that he made, and he also used all of the vessels of the Beis Hamikdash, and that's the way he arrived at his feast. And, and it's similar to what we're learning in, the, in this Torah portion about wearing the garments that Aaron and Shulam wore the garments. They ate the sacrifices. So to Achashverosh, he ate a feast and he wore and he wore the garments. And Chaim Peretz is getting nervous. What are you talking about? Yeah. This is a good thing. This is a bad thing. We're talking about Aaron Arkein. And he's wearing the garments. He's supposed to wear the garments. Nachashverosh is not supposed to wear the garments. Not supposed to. What do you? What's the comparison? Okay. 
So although in Megillah we're talking about Achashverosh, the meal of, in the language of the Talmud, of that wicked person, Tzemach Tzedek says that the Achashverosh refers to Hashem, because it says Achashverosh means the beginning and the end, so the one who owns the beginning of time, the end of time, which is Hashem. So when it says that Achashverosh wore the garments of the Kainim, it also means that God wore the garments of the Kainim. Even though in this world Achashverosh is wearing the garments, but there's also a deeper meaning. It's similar to another, uh, another idea that is discussed in the discourse that Rebbe delivered it at this Fabrengen. In the words of the Megillah, it says that on that night, the king's sleep was disturbed. So there are two opposing explanations of the words, on that night, the king's sleep was disturbed. On the one hand, the word that night, both words of night and the word that <laughs> indicate darkness. So gesund. Night is a time of darkness, and in addition to night being dark, the Torah, the Megillah emphasizes it was that night. In other words, it doesn't say which night it was. Just by saying that night, you don't know which night it is. So the word that indicates it's a a word which which emphasizes concealment. You don't know which one it is. It's a night, you don't even know which one night it is. So it's similar to the words in the Torah, I will surely hide my face, I will... Hide will I hide my face. So the double expression of, of hiding means that you don't even realize that something is being hidden from you. You don't even realize you're in the dark. If at least you know in the dark, you're in the dark, then you're okay. But once you like, what's the difference between, that doesn't give, give this example, but when someone thinks that they're normal, um, <laughs> a, 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 a crazy person thinks he's normal versus a crazy person who knows he's crazy, like who's more normal? The crazy person knows he's crazy, a little more normal, because there's a part of him that, that, that's normal and recognizes that he's different than everybody else. But the crazy person who thinks he's normal, um, I said the opposite just now, didn't I? The crazy person knows he's crazy, has a part of him which is normal, and that's why he knows he's crazy. But if the crazy person thinks he's normal, he is so off. He doesn't even know that there's, there's an issue. In a similar way, by saying the words, that night, you don't even know which night it is, that indicates a double concealment. On the other hand, that's on the simple translation of the words that night, a great concealment. On the other hand, there is another meaning of the words that night, that means, and that is, the darkness of the night is connected to the verse, God uses darkness as his cloak, so it's, it's called darkness only because a human being can't handle this revelation, and that night means that not only is it a revelation of godliness which surpasses what a human being can handle, that's why for, for a human being it's called darkness, but it's even beyond a regular, beyond something which a human being can handle. It's a, there's, a double, there's a double concealment because it's so lofty, it's so high, that a human being can't handle it. And, and send a double expression of, of, of concealment and indicate that it's so beyond the human being that therefore it's so so far from him. So it's not about great darkness, it's about such a great revelation that a human being can't handle it. So that night doesn't mean only great concealment, that night means great revelation. You follow or don't follow? I don't understand how putting that in front of night makes it an emphasis on more than night. Okay, so there's two ways of saying that. There is, say, this night, which, which, which is, the word this means revelation, you know which one it is. In Hebrew, who, halayla who, is a, is a, um, the word that is a very busy word. 
I, I, I saw once a sentence where a person used the word that like six times in a row. The, the problem with that, that, that that sentence refers to, you know? <laughs> anyway, so, is that, that 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 sentence refers to, the word that over there means that you don't know which line it is. So, that, so the word that over there also indicates a concealment. Oh, okay. So, um, so on the one hand, that line means concealment. On the other hand, it means a, such a great revelation if you don't know what it is. You can't, you can't experience it because it's beyond you. It says also the coming of Mashiach. It says, on the Mashiach will come, the glory of Hashem will be revealed. And it says, even then, there will be things that are concealed. It says in the Torah, the, glo- the world will be full of the knowledge of Hashem, like water covers the ocean bed. And it says in the Torah, I will surely hide my face on that day. Mithra explains that what day will Hashem surely hide his face? What day is he hiding his face? He says, I will, I will hide my face on that day. It means something in the future. So the ultimate future is the coming of Mashiach. So, so the, when it says in the Torah, I will hide my face on that day, says the Mithra Rebbe, that's referring to the coming of Mashiach. There's some things that we, that are, we can only reach when Mashiach will come. It, it, things which are so lofty, which are so hidden, hidden from us, so high, beyond us, and only in order to get to those lofty things, you have to first be in a state of total darkness. They don't even realize you're in the dark. You hear? When Hashem says He will hide His face on that day, Hashem is referring to the coming of Mashiach. That there will be such a, a lofty revelation <clears throat> that, that we, and in order to get to that lofty revelation, there first be in absolute darkness. So, so too regarding the meal of Achashverosh. In this world, there's a situation of complete concealment of, of godliness. They didn't even know there's a concealment. It looks like it's a big party. Oh, it's great. Wow, Achashverosh is even, you know, the people who went to the party, like, okay, oh, it looks great. What a, what a great thing. And he's celebrating. He won. You, you, don't, you don't, I mean, I'm sure some Jews that were there and they were crying, but, but, but other people were like, okay, this is, this is the way it is now. Achashverosh took over. So, the, this, the meal was even more of, of an issue to realize what was going on because the meal was kosher. It says that Mordechai was involved, he was appointed by Chashverosh to make sure the meal was kosher, according to Shulchan Aruch. So the people thought they were allowed to enjoy it, even though it was a meal of the wicked person, uh, Achashverosh. On the other hand, so on the one hand, the meal is considered the meal of the wicked person, the meal of Achashverosh. On the other hand, the meal is called the meal of God, the meal of the one who owns the whole world. Achashverosh Shalei. So, what we're, what we're getting at over here is that we, we find two opposite translations of the words that night, and in a similar way, we find two opposite translations of Hashem hiding His face, and this will help us understand the two opposite translations of what actually happened by that feast. In order to arrive at the coming of Mashiach, to experience the revelation of Hashem, which is beyond creation, which for us is like darkness, because it's higher than us, to, to experience revelation at that high level is by first going through a great darkness. And in a similar way, in order to, uh, yes, in our world, Achashosh was desecrating all that's holy to us. On the other hand, that meal was created by the Hashem Himself. And so, what, what we're meant to do is to transform the darkness to light, to transform the Averis into mitzvahs, and your mitzvahs, a mitzvah can, only reach a, can reach a certain place. When you do tshuva, 
you're able to reach, reach a far higher place. Like the Gemara, the Gemara says about itself that the Babylonian Talmud is called the place of darkness. The Jerusalem Talmud is called the place of light. Why? Because the Jerusalem Talmud, it just said, delivers clear Torah with, and, and without any questions or answers, just this is the way it is, this is the way it is, this is the way it is. So it's called Ur Yashar, a straight light. But the Babylonian Talmud is full of questions and contradictions and back and forth. And it's precisely because the Babylonian Talmud is so dark, because it's so, so, many, so many questions there and so much confusion there, they're able to reach a much deeper, a deeper understanding of Torah. You cannot get without the questions. So while the Jerusalem Talmud is, is loftier externally, it's just straight light, no questions, but it's precisely because of all these questions can you reach the real emes, the, tr- the, 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 the truth of truth can only be reached through all these, all these questions. So, so the bottom line, hopefully we'll get to tomorrow, Mr. Shem, bottom line where, where we're going is, when a person looks at him in his own life, and he sees the things that he's doing, where he's up to, he could, he, he, um, he could, get, he could like wonder like, what's going on, going on with me. I'm in such a, a confused state, but as we'll see, it's precisely by being in a state of darkness that you're able to reach a much greater light. When, you, when you're asking a question, what's going on with me, and you don't know what's going on with you, and you're, you're, you're confused about where, where you're meant to be, it's precisely that kind of experience that allows you to get to haster aster. Just like we said about Mishbiyas and Mashiach, that how do you reach aster aster? Hashem said, on that day, Mashiach will come. I will hide my face, which means I will give you the revelation of the things which are the most hidden, how do you reach that by first being the place where you have absolutely no idea that you're in the dark? That, that's how dark it is. So in a similar way, we'll see, the, the story of Purim, yes, Achashverosh is desecrating all that's holy, but it's through that desecration and through that hardship that there is a, a, a much greater light that emerges through the story of Purim, as we'll, as we'll see in Mishim tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm not going to be here. Uh, I'm going to be here, Mr. Shem, uh, going to Seattle tonight, but I'm going to, Mr. Shem, uh, broadcast from Seattle, Seattle Mr. Shem, this year, God willing. All right.